Good morning once again, everyone. Uh, young children can go down the hall with Mr. Justin as they have their time of study, and we will do the same right here as we open our Bibles into the book of John, the Gospel of John, starting off in uh, chapter 18. Before I get started, I just want to... Uh, um, Welcome any of our guests that might be here this morning and just let you know that we are glad you're here and we hope that you are blessed by being here and ask you to fill out a visitor card if you would like so that we can stay in touch and keep you informed on what's going on. Anybody who's online, also do the same. You can uh, hit us on the messenger to Facebook or you can send a message through YouTube as well and we also have our website. There's a lot of things going on in the world as we all know, right? And... The, the truth is, there's always been a lot of things going on in the world. Since the beginning of God's creation, there's been things going on in the world. Good, bad, and uh, in between. What I want to talk about today, and probably going into the next several weeks as we proceed in our studies and proceed in our service to God as believers in in Christ, as people who call themselves Christians or saved, or however which way you want to announce to the world what you believe, right? The fact is, if you are a believer that Jesus is the Christ, and you accept God's truth about Jesus, and you are baptized into Christ, as the scripture tells us, then you are one who stands in truth. Would you all agree with that? I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. One of the biggest and most obvious struggles that we're facing in our world today seems to be something new for many. The reality is, it's not new. And that is the full-on, brutal assault on truth. Right? Here's a newsflash. Truth has always been under assault since Adam and Eve. God said, it's not good for you to eat of that tree, so do not do it. And Satan lied to them and said, it's okay for you to eat that tree. Surely God meant something else. And thus the battle for truth began. We find ourselves smack dab in the middle of it. And the problem is, is for many of us, and including myself, it appears to be something new. I don't mean that like 100%. I guess maybe the better way to say it is, it, it, for some reason I'm surprised by it right now. <laughs> and I shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. Because it's always been under attack. Who we are in the truth of the scriptures is who we've always been if we believe the word of God. If we believe something else and call ourselves Christians, then we have believed some other kind of truth, which is not truth at all. So what are we dealing with? What are the challenges? Well, we're, li we're living in a post-truth culture right now. That's what some people are calling it. 
a post-truth culture. Some people might not believe that. Some people might call it something else. Depends on what you believe truth is. Depends on what you understand about truth. We're living in a world that's full of what is, what is described as moral relativism. Everything is relative. Whatever you think is good is good. Whatever I think is good is good. We don't have to agree on that. That's what the world is saying to us. That's what the world is trying to make reality. Here's some examples of today's society. There are people who say that this may be true for you, but it's not true for me, whatever this is. It is a, that is an attack on truth itself. The goodness of God, what is righteous, what is right, is under attack by such phrases where it says, where people say, don't impose your morality on me, saying that to the Christians mostly. Because the Christians are saying what God says is right and wrong is what's right and wrong. And because somebody doesn't want to accept that, they want to reject that by saying, don't put your morality into my life. Another one is, beauty is in the, the eye of the beholder. Have you heard that one before? I think maybe we might have even said that before. And I think in some ways, that might can be a good statement to say, but when, when it's said in the way that the uh, uh, supporter of untruths say it, they're really saying righteousness is in the eye of the beholder. Because when God created, he said, let there be light. And then he said, let there be this and let there be that. And every time he looked at it and said, this is good. Right? When God says it's good, guess what? It's good. When God created man and woman, he looked back and he said, oh yeah, that's really good. That's the way I want it. Right? That's truth. There's two things that we need to be aware of if we're not already. There's objective truth and there's subjective truth. Objective truth sticks to facts and reality. Subjective truth deals with feelings, arguments, and opinions. You see the difference? There's a lot. There, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to confess this to you right now as your preacher and your brother in Christ. There, is a, there are a lot of things in this Bible which I believe is absolute truth that I don't like and that I wish weren't true. Because it means that I have to stop doing certain things and start doing other things that I struggle with, just like all of you. It's objective truth. There's facts and it's reality. I don't get to make it subjective. I don't get to make it what I want it to be because of how I feel or my opinion about it or some great argument I can make to support something opposite. That's what we're dealing with. That's what the world has always been dealing with. Man has been running away from God since Adam and Eve. We've been running away from the truth since Adam and Eve because the truth hurts sometimes. The truth doesn't allow us to do what our sinful hearts want us to do. Right? So what does it look like in today's world? I'm just going to let you know there's two points on my outline today. Y'all should be happy about that. 
Normally, I have a smaller piece of paper that I run my notes off of because it's easier to carry. But today, the bad thing is I got two bigger pieces of paper. <laughs> Get more information on there. The problem is the, first, the whole first page is just the introduction. So we're, in, we're halfway through it, so hang with me, y'all. So what does it look like today? Let's, let's see if we can expose what it looks like today. This battle over the truth, this assault on the truth that's been going on since the beginning of creation, or at least the beginning of sin, the fall of man. And then we'll look and see what the Gospel of John says about it. I struggled with what scripture to use today because all of the Bible battles against the enemy. And I could, I could stand up here and just read the whole Bible to you, and it would be evidence against this false truth or these lies that we seem to be living uh, under today. So the biggest threats to Christianity in 2021, all right, or let's say the biggest threats to the truth, the truth, because that's what genuine Christianity is. There are other forms of so-called Christianity, but they don't stand in the truth, so how can they be? This is, what I'm about to explain to you is nothing different. It's just packaged different. It's coming in a different package. Satan tells the same lie over and over again millions of different ways to each one of us. And that lie is God is not God and you don't have to listen to him. Universalism. You ever heard of it? Christian universalism specifically. I'm just going to give you the basics. You can do your own research. They believe... That every individual uh, of the human race shall, be whole, shall become holy and happy. In other words, everybody can, everybody's going to be with God, everybody's going to be holy, and everybody's going to be happy. No matter what. That's what they believe. They also uh, have this disagreement of whether or not they believe hell exists or not. Or a place called hell. And the ones that do think that it might exist, they suggest that it's just a temporary thing. And that people can overcome that and eventually will be in the presence of God and happy anyway. That's just the basics of Christian universalism. That's one of the biggest threats. That's common in today's society, y'all. That's some of the ideas that people are buying into. And most of the people that aren't, I'm talking about people that aren't just flat out rejecting Christianity. What they're trying to do is they're trying to accept some kind of lie and put the word Christian with it so that they can have their cake and eat it too. And that's just not the way the gospel works. And I'm telling you this so that you can be aware of what we're dealing with, so that we can pray appropriately, we can love people appropriately, and we can share the gospel appropriately and defend the truth that God sent Jesus to die for. Verse, uh, the second thing, uh, the second biggest threat, these aren't in a certain order, but it's the second on my list. The Word of Faith movement's been around for a long time. Word of Faith. I call it uh, health and wealth gospel. Right? Some people, I, I, these people believe that the Christian life is all about renouncing poverty and physical suffering. And if we do have poverty or physical suffering, it's for the glory of God for a temporary moment. So when Jesus died on the cross, it's uh, not just for salvation, but it's also for wealth and prosperity for all the believers. I'm going to tell you as a witness a personal witness, this is not true gospel because I've been broke most of my life and I know I'm saved by the blood of Christ. 
had nothing to do with whether or not I was sick or whether or not I had finances or whether or not I had anything else. These people who preach this message, I say they're pimping the gospel for the highest price. They're selling it for whoever will believe it so that they can have the most gain. And, and, and people are flocking to it one after the other. And, and, and it's despicable. I'm going to get to some scripture here in a little bit, y'all, so don't think I'm just talking up here. But it is, it's sickening to me because it, I equate that kind of preaching to the, to the man in a van offering candy to children. That's about all I'm going to say about that without being out of line. Do not believe that, and do not let anyone else believe that, if you can do it. And then another and the final one I'm going to share with you, and this is probably the newest, most dangerous assault against the truth that I know of, and it's called progressive Christianity or liberal Christianity. This is a wolf in sheep's clothing, is what this is. I'll explain why. And these are not my words. You can look it up on the internet and find the same words. Progressive Christianity or liberal Christianity is about, they seek to reform the faith via the insights of postmodernism. Change the faith based on the ideas of postmodernism. Uh, they want to reclaim the truth beyond the verifiable historicity and, factu and factuality of the passages in the Bible. In another way to say it, they want to dismiss the facts of the Bible to find truth. They will affirm the truths when in that, they, they, they believe that some of the Bible stories may not have even happened or might not be reality. I don't mean the parables, I mean history. The characteristics of progressive Christianity are they have a willingness to question tradition, which I'm not so much opposed to, because we should always question why we do things, why we've always done things, right? We, there's nothing wrong with questioning that. Another characteristic is they have an acceptance of human diversity. I, I, I accept that people are different. I have no problem accepting that, but that's not what they mean. They're talking about the differences in who we are and our sinful behaviors. Accepting everybody, no matter what, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as saved human beings. Another characteristic is they have a strong emphasis on social justice. I'm all about justice. I'm all about equality, treating people the same. That's what I'm about. But I'm not about that at the cost of the gospel, which is what progressive Christianity is about. They're about environmental stewardship. I have no problem in being wise and taking care of what God has blessed us with, but not at the sake of forsaking the gospel, which is what progressive Christianity is about. They take the Bible seriously, so do I, but not literally. There are a lot of things in the Bible that aren't to be read as literal truths, but the truth of the Bible is absolute. And we'll get to that in just a moment. When they refuse to take the Bible literally, they mean we're not taking it as absolute truth. They embrace a more interpretive metaphorical understanding 
which means they cannot accept it as an absolute truth. This is the nail in the coffin in my mind. They do not consider homosexuality to be sinful. They do not claim that Christianity is the only valid and viable way to connect to God. That's what they teach. They teach it in a subtle way. They present themselves just like the Christian church does. They present themselves as believing that Jesus is the Christ and reading and studying out of the Bible, but these are the truths that they will teach out of it. And it's very subtle and it's hard to notice unless you know what the truth is. The problem with progressive Christianity is instead of the Christians progressing in their heart, progressing in their spiritual growth, which I'm all for, by the way, we, we are the ones to progress into holiness, into righteousness, in God's holiness and God's righteousness. That's what Jesus died for. Their idea is that the truth of God and God and his kingdom progress and become something different over time. Because it suits their needs and their desires. It fits their intellect. You see the problem, y'all. This is what we're facing in today's world. This is what... This is how Satan has packaged his lies so that we will have uh, trouble getting the gospel message wherever we want to try to get it, the truth. So much so that our society, even those who don't claim to be Christians, are buying into this mentality that truth is, rel- is relative or subjective and it can be made whatever you want it to be. And in fact, today this can be true and I can decide tomorrow that this same thing is not true if I want to. And it doesn't matter if you agree that it's true, you can have some other truth. Because there is no absolute truth. That's what we're, fa- that's what we're dealing with. And it's everywhere. That's why we're having so much trouble right now. That's why we're feeling so much pressure from society as believers. Because we know that there is absolute truth. And his name is Jesus. We know that there is truth to be known. And it will not change whether we believe it or don't believe it, whether we reject it or or receive it, whether we share it or keep it to ourselves. It doesn't change. Right? This is is what it is. It's what it's always been. The reality now is Satan no longer hides it. Back in the 70s and 80s and the 90s, which is all I can talk about, it, it was hidden. It was, it was so subtle you couldn't see it. It was still there. But society was on the side of God. Society was on the side of truth. For the most part. So the ones who weren't were behind the scenes and individually bringing these false ideas into our minds and getting us to come away from the church. You want to know why nobody wants to come to church anymore? Because back in, the, uh, in those days, or even before my time, you just ask somebody to come to church and they'll come. Because they're actually looking for truth back then. Today, nobody's looking for truth because they can make up their own truth. Nobody's looking for truth. They don't think that truth exists. They're being taught that in the schools. So now we go to John chapter 18 because we need to look at what the Bible says about truth, not what the preacher is up here saying about the truth. Because what I say about the truth in my own words doesn't matter, does it? What matters is what we can find in the Bible. And I'm saying we, and as we believers, can find, because we trust that the Bible is absolute truth. 
And if you don't, we need to have some discussion and we need to figure that out together for you. For the sake of this conversation, whoever's in this room or whoever's tuning in online, let's just assume that we all agree that this Bible is absolute truth. Because I know for a fact that not everybody does believe that. We believe it is absolute truth. So let's just assume, for the sake of this discussion, if you don't believe that, let's just assume that it is. I'm saying that it is. The Bible says that it is. I hope that you eventually believe if you don't. John chapter 18, verse 37 to 38. We look at something that is very familiar to the believer. A time when Jesus was arrested and taken before uh, Pilate on trial, which would have been the second trial that he was uh, taken Uh, before some type of leadership accusing him of wrongdoing, falsely accusing him of wrongdoing. And here is the interaction or part of the interaction. Pilate looks at Jesus and says, so you're a king then? Asking him a question. You're a king, right? And he says, you are right. This is what Jesus' answer is. You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to what? The truth. Every Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Listen up, believers. Everyone on the side of truth listens to Jesus. Please do not sit back in your chair and think to yourself, I will never have this problem. I will never have an issue with this. Because in today's society, in today's world, there, there will be so much pressure on you giving up the truth so that you can function and live and be comfortable and won't be persecuted. That's why Jesus says, if you love me, they will hate you because they hate me. You'll be persecuted if you believe that I'm the Christ, if you commit yourself. If you're a Christian and you stand in the truth, you will be persecuted. And for so long, at least in this part of the world, we have been spared from that. And now, the truth is, we can't escape it. We're not going to escape it. And we shouldn't be surprised by that because Jesus said it would happen. Right? So then he says, well, Pilate says, okay, well, if that's all true, then what is truth? If whoever follows you is standing in truth, then what is truth? Question for the ages. It's a question that every person who's ever been created has asked themselves. What is truth? Jesus just said, I am truth. He said it. He says, if, he says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And he says, I came into this world to proclaim or to testify to the truth. You know, Jesus, his whole, his whole ministry, we can, read, well, we can read about all of his teachings, and he says, I am truth. He says, I am the way. He, I am the bread of life. I am, I am the water that you look for to quench your thirst. I am. He keeps on saying, I am the one. Just because we don't believe that doesn't make it not true. That's absolute. So he says, and here's the way he testified to the truth. He showed up. That's it. That's why we celebrate Christmas. 
Promises from God fulfilled. Merry Christmas, joy to the world, and all of that. Because a baby was born that is the promise of God fulfilled in the flesh. And when Jesus shows up, everybody gets uh, all upset in their spirit. They get upset in their mind. They get, they get torn up and frustrated because they don't live in the truth. That's why you all are saved. Any of you who are saved by the blood of Christ because of your faith in Christ is because you were convicted of your sin. You were convicted that you weren't living in the truth and that you need to be living in the truth. If, if, if you don't get disturbed by the presence of Jesus in your life, you're not seeing the truth. Right? If you're not remorseful, like Jesus preached about on, on the side of the mountain in Matthew, blessed are those who mourn, right? They mourn the fact that they've sinned against God. They've com- committed this heinous crime against the holy God who created them and loves them, us. You don't mourn over your sins, you'll never repent because you don't believe the truth. Jesus is king, is what he's saying. He entered the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of of the truth listens to Jesus. Now we go to chapter 8, back up a little bit. Go to chapter 8 of John. Here's what absolute truth is while you're turning there. Something that is true at all times and in all places. It is always true, no matter what, a fact that cannot be changed. That's what absolute truth is. And that's why the world is having problems with it. And I'm I'm not saying the world, those sinners out there. I'm saying all of us are having problems with it at times. Just be aware. Here's an example of absolute truth. There are no round squares. That's an on the way home or you'll figure it out. Verse 31 to 32. To start with, these are the children of Abraham, the children of God, is what we're about to listen to and and, and see as Jesus is talking again. Verse 31 and 32. Am I on the right one? Yeah. He says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? The truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from sin. Okay, sin is a word that the Christians know, but the world doesn't know. Free from the darkness. Free from the lies of Satan. Because that's what it really is. Because if you're in sin, if you are an offender of God, it's because you have disobeyed his authority and his lordship in your life because he created you. That's what what sin is. And you are slave to that activity, to that sin, and you are living in darkness. But if you hold to the teachings of Christ, according to what we just read, then you will be living in truth. You will be living in light. You will be living in forgiveness and freedom. You can be the most oppressed person in this world, in in all of existence, and still be free because of Christ in your heart. Because the truth is here. And because you do not shrink back from it. The moment we give up the truth is the moment we lose freedom. You will know the truth and it will set you free. That's verse 31 to 32 of John chapter 8. That's absolute truth. Let's look at subjective truth. Let's look at relative truth. Let's go just over a few verses to verse 42. 
And we'll read through verse 47. He says, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now am here. I, am, I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Oh, wait, there's more. Let's go to verse 45. Yet because I tell, you, tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am not telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Hello? Be careful. I appreciate the amens and I'm with you, but be careful that we're not hypocrites when we say amen to our Lord. Because that was his teaching. And I'm, I'm saying that carefully because I love it when y'all agree with the word of God. I love it when y'all interact with what we're doing here. But if we think we're going to live through this world of persecution that's always been around and survive without any intentional study, intentional prayer, intentional, uh, intentionality on our part to stand firm in what is true, we will surely fail. Because we're not hearing because we're not listening, because we don't have ears to hear. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. Who's he talking to? Those who have not accepted Jesus as truth. Those who deny the absolute truth of the word of God. Those who reject the reality, the fact of God, the creator. There's a bunch of nice people that are included in this group. There's a lot of great people that are included in this group because they reject this truth. They, re they reject the absoluteness of this truth. You can't have this truth and other truths, which is what the world wants us to do. Because the world will tell us, you can still have your church services, you can even still preach your sermons. Just accept all of these other things that we say are true, that you think are not true. If you do those things, we'll allow you to have what you think is true. As long as it doesn't interfere with what we say is true. Woe, woe to the ones who promote that mindset. And woe to the ones who receive it. God says what is true and what is real. Because he is the creator of the universe. Whether we like it or not. Progressive Christianity and the likes of it reject absolute truth. They reject truth altogether. They pretend that they have truth. They pretend that they stand in what the Bible says is true except that they want to be able to change what the Bible says is true to their convenience. The problem is, many Christians who really love the Lord genuinely with all of their heart, mind, and soul, and serve well, sometimes do the same thing in their own personal lives. 
That's, 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 what, that's what we call temptation. You know that moment where that one thing you're tempted by and you just said nobody else is around and you're like, well, nobody will see it and God will understand. God will forgive me. And then you do it anyway. You're compromising what you know is true. You're compromising what Jesus died for. You're compromising your commitment. You're participating in the full-on attack of truth. And I'm going to let you know this, and it's hard for me to swallow too. No one is innocent when it comes to sin. And there's no one else to blame it on, not even Satan. All he can do is lie to you and convince you to give up the truth. He can't make you sin. He can't make you deny the truth. He can just convince you to do it. It's been the same since Adam and Eve. He didn't make them eat off of that tree. He didn't force them by by any kind of force to eat off of that tree or disobey God. He just convinced them that it was okay. Because that's really what they wanted in their heart. And God wasn't around, so they thought. And that scenario has played out over and over and over again in the hearts and minds of every person ever created since then. Thank God we have access to the truth so that we can repent. Because God in His grace and His mercy, every time we participate in the assault on truth, through His Holy Spirit, will convict us and say, no, no, that's not truth. And that's not what Jesus died for. Come back. And we have opportunity to repent and get back in line with the truth. Praise God. The world, society, politics, and you name it, reject God's truth. We are, this is not our home, believers, brothers and sisters. And I mean brothers and sisters. This is not our home. And we do not depend on anything other than God and his truth for our freedom and security. You already know this. I'm just reminding you and trying to encourage you to stand firm. Because God does not promise to spare us from the persecution that comes through this world. In fact, he promises us that it will happen. Let's go to Psalm 2. Because I want to show you what God's reaction to this assault on truth is. And I hope that this becomes an encouragement to you. I hope that you can remember this and stand in it when things get difficult and things get foggy or gray in your world and truth is so hard to stand in because you can't tell if it's real or not because it's wolf in sheep's clothing. Satan will show up as a Christian, and say things that aren't true. Here's what God says about this attack on his truth. Verse verse 1 of Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against the anointed one. Talking about Jesus. Verse 3. Let us break their chains they say, and throw off their fetters. That's what their plan is, the world and its leaders. Their plan is to destroy the truth. That's what it's saying in verse 3. Verse 4, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. 
And the Lord scoffs at them. When I say the Lord is in control, y'all say amen, right? And only amen, by the way. Think about it. God rules the world from a recliner with his feet kicked up because it's nothing to him. It's no stress on him. No matter what happens, no matter what comes against him and his kingdom, it does not stress him out, not one bit. And it doesn't surprise him. He laughs. What does that mean for you, believer? How does that make you feel? This is our Father, our Lord that I'm talking about. Then he rebukes them in his anger. Hello? Oh, how many times I wish my father would have showed up on the playground when I wrote a check that my my mouth wrote a check that the rest of me couldn't cash. And I got myself in trouble. And there wasn't nobody around to defend me. But that's not the way it is with the truth and those who live in the truth. That's not the way it is for the kingdom of God and the world that God created. The world that God created can never destroy what God has put in place. And God will handle it. Look, he's, let, me, let me read it back again. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. Them who? Those who are coming up against his truth with their own made-up truth. Trying to take over and destroy God and his kingdom. Verse 6 says, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I'll take a moment and you can praise the Lord right now. That he's talking about Jesus. He's like, look, I've installed, I've, I brought Jesus into the world. He went to the cross, died, and was resurrected so that we can be reconciled to him and be part of the kingdom. That's what God put in place. No one can destroy that. Then he says in verse 7, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. This is the decree of our God. He said to me, you are, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possessions. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. I get excited about that, y'all. I get, I get excited because even though we may live in a world that seems to be getting uh, increasingly hard to bear. As long as I stay faithful, living in the truth, I will survive. You will survive if you believe the truth of God. So he says, look. Verse 11, serve the Lord with fear and rejoicing. Rejoice, rejoice with trembling. Hello? Serve the Lord with fear. Because, why? Because I don't want to end up on the other end of this deal. God help me, I don't want to. I don't want you or me or anybody else to be in the wrath of God. Not even the ones who seem to be perpetrating this false truth in the world. God sent Jesus to die for them too. Verse 12 says, Kiss the son lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. 
This is not a game, y'all. This Christian life that we live. This is not a Sunday morning activity that we do. It's life and death. I know that you know this. But when we're out there in the world and these lies of Satan continue to pounce off of our chest and into our minds and the pressure to accept these truths as reality, the lies of Satan continue to be shot at us, it is hard to resist. Because after all, we're, we're just people. And if we don't know what we can rely on, if we don't know where to draw our strength and our faith, we will surely fail. I'm almost done, y'all. I want you to be encouraged by what we just read. I want you to be encouraged because if you're in Christ and you stand in the truth of God's gospel, God's word, if you stand in the truth, you have no concern whatsoever for eternity. You will be persecuted and you will suffer in some way or another and it will be hard and you will have things that you like and love that aren't sinful taken away from you at some point because you're a believer. It will happen. What are you willing to do for the sake of the gospel? How are you willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel, for the truth, for the sake of someone else's soul, so that someone else can be exposed to this truth that we're standing in, so that they will not fall by the way of these false truths, these false ideas that the world seems to gravitate to. God is still in control. He is working a plan. Truth still matters, y'all. Truth still reigns. Stand firm in the truth no matter what. Look, I got so excited I didn't even keep up with the PowerPoint, y'all. I love y'all and the Lord loves you. You know it. Even the people who aren't saved know it. That's why they get so upset when we talk about Jesus. People that get upset when you talk about the truth are convicted by it. I know because I was one of those. I didn't want nobody to come around telling me about church or Jesus or the truth or the Bible or that I was a sinner. I was happy driving my truck, building my houses, playing softball, going out to the bowling alley and hanging out with my friends, doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. I was happy with that. I had a great kingdom that I had built for myself. But it wasn't until I accepted the truth of God until my life changed forever. And I look back remorseful over the lie that I was living. Thinking that there was nothing wrong with it. What God says, what God says is true is true for everybody. And it doesn't matter what anybody thinks or believes about that fact. The question is, are you going to consider it? And if you've already considered it and already accepted it, that's great. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. But how many people in your life are struggling with this? How many people in your workplace are struggling with this battle, this pull between this reality and that reality? What's, what's re- I, don't, I can't even watch news. I can't watch news. I can't watch anything. I don't even watch commercials anymore because I don't know who's telling what truth. I don't trust anybody but God at this point and the fellow believers. And if that's all I can do, I'm okay with that because I know that God is trustworthy. And his truth is real.
I love you and the Lord loves you and I'm begging you to get serious if you're not about this truth, about your salvation, about the Christian life. Pay attention to what Satan is trying to do. Make yourself ready. Don't get freaking out and panicking because Psalm, Psalm 2 is real. There's no need to panic. There's no need to be scared. Let's just get real and be bold and, and, and be strong in the Lord. If you don't know the Lord, today's the day. Jesus is the Christ. He died so that you can be forgiven of your sins. You can be reconciled to a holy God. The scripture tells us, the truth of the Bible tells us, to just, if you believe that, just say he's the Christ. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and then begin to be strengthened in the Lord. Begin to make disciples. Begin to serve God for the rest of your life with everything that you have. That's the Christian life. That's the gospel message. If you need to do something about that today, come down here. If you want more information about that or you just don't know or you're battling with this truth, call me or get with another believer and let's help you. It's going to end one day. It's all going to be over. And those standing in the truth will be the only, only ones who remain. Y'all ready? We're going to sing a song together and during the invitation. And then we'll, after that, we're going to sit back down because we'll have some stuff to do after church.